Welcome to week 10 of possibly the greatest metal podcast on earth, uh, In the Abyss, with me, Jerry Traganza, Padre and Anthony are back this week. Uh, it's a back to a normal show. Um, thanks again to Lois Creature for their for their time with us last week. Um, it was our biggest listening figures to date, so thanks again to them. Um, this week, the usual thing, bit of metal news, uh, whatever we've been listening to this week, and we're going to talk about um, the revolving doors of heavy metal bands and irreplaceable members and, and and all that kind of thing um with i'm sure a few glaring omissions which um, you know no doubt people will tell us where we've gone short um but yeah um again thank you for still listening please keep listening and keep spreading the word keep liking keep subscribing um and keep following us on all the social media platforms you know where to find us now uh you keep doing your bit we'll keep doing ours so uh, enjoy Hello. Evening, true metal warriors of steel. How are we doing? Well, let's, let's just start straight off with what, what you've been listening to this week, Mr. King of New Music. Um, not much this week, to be honest. Um, usually, I, I'm still listening to like the, a lot of the stuff I've mentioned previously is what I've been listening to. Recording. Oh, yeah, so I, yeah so, um, the only really new thing I've listened to this week is Century, still alive. It was shared by Lois Creature. Yeah, that was yeah, that was one of the ones that they Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, it was good stuff. I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but you know, I'm in the process of winding down. I've got two weeks left for work. So Yeah, the um the the Japanese band they uh they talked about last week called Anthem. I had to listen to there's 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 an album on um on Apple Music, which was quite good. Um and some of it's actually in Japanese as well, so it's 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 a bit different. Look, quite... the riff from that song was yeah, like, quality. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's quality. Um, the new Def Leppard album, which I think is really good. There's a few late 90s Def Leppard moments on it, which aren't great, but there are a couple of, you know, sort of absolute bangers on there. They've, they've, they've done good. Um, and the new Evergrey album, not a band that I've ever really been that fussed about, but that's quite good. And the new, there's a new Decapitated song out as well with, um, with Rob Flynn doing guest vocals. And uh, Rob Flynn is Rob Flynn, but Decapitated are a death metal band. And... This death metal song is good. It's got a good groove. It's got a good riff. And then all of a sudden it cuts to Rob Flynn doing clean vocals. And in the video, he's got like his fucking arms out, like he's some kind of Jesus Christ superstar. And it's all a bit, look at me. And then it flicks back to the song. It it just doesn't work for me. It really doesn't work. We're fast approaching the point where I contact the website change.org and I get some kind of petition done about asking Rob Flynn to just please stop. <laughs> Enough. Let it go. You've had your day in the sun. You've made your million. Now hit the fucking road. No one cares anymore. Yeah, but Mach- Machina are still, you know, they still sort of peddling stuff and they still want enough fans to keep going. Peddling, so. yeah. Peddling. Not, not writing, not making. Peddling. Peddling their wares on street corners like s- s- slutty new metal whores. Bay Area whores. Oh, they're not Bay Area. Well, they are. Well, they just because they're from the Bay. It's like it's like the Duke of Wellington used to say: just because you're born in a stable doesn't make you a horse. <laughs> you know, Bay Area crash, Bay Area trash, gash. Bay Area gash. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's like um, a, a Vietnam veteran saying, "Oh, I was I was in Nam," but really, what he was was working in like the logistics area, and he never saw a, a minute of combat. That's that is Rob Flynn with the Bay Area thing. You're not Bay Area. <laughs> Go away. 
Uh, they're, they're, they had their moment, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, moments, not yeah. periods. Or you can't de- you can't deny that burn my eyes at the time was a was a bit of a breakthrough. There's a quite unique peak on your first album. Yeah, but many <laughs> fans do. And if, if you listen to a lot of metal fans, and sorry for anybody who's listening, if this is a bit of a sweeping statement, but if you listen to a lot of metal fans, most metal bands peak on their first album and it only gets shitter from there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right. You know I'm right. It's 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 not an easy, it's not an easy genre to, to consistently write well for because this is the thing. The riff is so important. If you're not good at writing riffs, you're never going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter how fast you play. Like if you if you go back and listen to a lot of the Bay Area stuff, once you get outside of the say seven or eight nine bands, a lot of it is so derivative, and it, they've got nothing else to do but or can we just play as fast as we can? But the riff is you're playing a, a very very high speed, but the riff is shit. You know, whereas you know, the other bands, the Big Four or the Testament and a lot of the band outside of there, they were writing good riffs. Machine had riffs. What, one riff, the video? <laughs> no. That, that's it. That's a quality riff, but there is more. There is, uh, let's, move, let's move on from Machine because I actually emailed Rob Flynn to ask if he fancied coming on this podcast, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much. Get it? Did you seriously email him? Yeah. Get him on. <laughs> I'll have it out with him. Fuck you know. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Moving on. And what about you? Rammstein, new album. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, bit of a grower, probably. I mean, I don't know. It feels. I think uh, they're, they're in danger of being predictable at this point. Um, yeah. But I don't know why. It's just kind of. It's. It's. You know. It's, and it's. It's quite short, isn't it? It's like forty minutes. It's not a long album. They usually go go a bit longer than that. So I don't know if they're just like. Yeah, 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 just get another album out. But no, it's all right. I like it. I'll, I'll certainly give it more spins, but it just feels a bit... I mean, I mean, some of them are in their 60s now, aren't they? Yeah, not far off. It's yeah. Probably, yeah, around about that. Yeah, they must Wrong. be. So, so yeah, it's, it's weird thinking of them like that, but, but yeah. Uh, and uh, a Tail Gunner. I know, again, there's only three songs, but yeah, I mean, that's really liking those lads. Got to keep an eye on them. Um, good old school stuff. And uh, Rat. <laughs> really, really liking that first Rat album at the moment. Um, don't know why, just, just, yeah, just enjoying a bit of Cock Rock. Maybe it's, you know, the sun's been out a bit more and, and whatnot and just some good anthems. I don't think Rat get the credit they deserve sometimes. It was, it was, it was a bit more, a bit grittier and a bit more of a groove to their stuff. There was, there was yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was sleazy and, and yeah. dirty, but it, it wasn't. You know, you, you think of some of the stuff on that scene that came, you know, five years later, which was just laughable. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, they called they called the riff structure was quite, quite subtle and, and um, you know, accessible and, and whatnot. I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, look like shit. <laughs> um, they really did. You know, it was like fucking, you know, typical Mad Max transvestite. But yeah, I, I think, I think there's some, some, Good tracks on that first album. Um, certainly, certainly on par with some of Crew's stuff. But uh, yeah, good laugh. Yeah, they, they didn't get the same credit. I mean, some of the bands that, that did get the credit they just weren't as good. But yeah, it, you know, of its time. Isn't it? um, what else? Um, I, think I mean, we have to comment, don't we? Really, 
and what's been going on this week. You know, Her Majesty's Platinum oh. Jubilee. I mean, I, I've come on this podcast today to avoid. Well, you that. see, this is the benefit of living abroad that I'm kind of, you know, away from all of this. It's like a kind of like pageantry protection program. Um, I don't have to see it. I mean, I, I can't watch the BBC without a VPN. So, I mean, how bad is it? How bad is the coverage? The worst, the worst thing that's come out of it, all of it, is the hashtag platy jubes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it sounds like a sec STD. <laughs> yeah, I got a terrible case of the platy jubes. Oh, the platy jubes. Oh. <laughs> it's the thing is, she, I think she did some event yesterday, but the warm up, I think it's Trooping McCullough yesterday. Yeah. Uh, which went which went up to Buckingham Palace instead of the usual usual route. Um, and now she's fucked off back into hiding, isn't she? She, she, yeah, she, she pulled out of an event today because she felt uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, my God, if she, if she cocks it today, this country's finished. <laughs> it, she's almost a hundred, for pity's sake. Let just, I mean, <laughs> what I've always been, it's, it's like Aussie, isn't it? Let, I, let, let, let I've always been, <laughs> I've always been impressed by the Queen because for, for a woman, to come from such impoverished backgrounds and rise so high in English society is, is unheard of. I mean, the, the struggles that she went through to get where she is. I think she's just taken the weekend off to watch Stranger Things, to be fair. So yeah. Yeah. maybe she's binging away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah can we get her on the podcast. Boys. Yeah, I'll get her on, see if she wants to, um, you know. Oh, and Andrew has COVID, quote marks. Yeah, Prince, Prince Andrew. Um, Tested positive for nonce. I miss the good old days where, you know, monarchs would, would have no qualms about executing members of their own family. I mean... <laughs> you miss the good old days? I didn't realise you were alive back then. You know, like George Duke of Clarence, Edward IV, did him good style, you know? It's like, <laughs> no pissing about. Right, treason, you're done. In the tower. Chop. See you later. Richard III, where's my cousins? Stab them, nephews, just done them with a knife, you know? It's, it, the list goes on. These days, it's just taking taxpayers' money to hide your paedophile relatives, isn't it? So, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm quite shocked. Um, you know, I'm into my comics, as, as we know, and I read a bit of Hellblazer every now and again, character called John Constantine, who's basically yeah. a, um, an exorcist, but he's, he's a scouse bloke. He drinks and smokes, and he's just a massive asshole. Lives in South London, so... Yeah, it sort of appeals to me, but he had a he had a series a couple of years ago, which was probably the best best comic of that year. Um, British writer, um, and there was a two part story within that, which was basically about the the Queen's son. Of course, no one was named, but the Queen the Queen's son who had a massive thing for very very young women. By young women, mean girls, and it involved magic and dark magic and evil horses and stuff i'll have to read it again because i'm not entirely sure what you know what exactly happened but it was yeah it was so blatantly obvious i'm surprised the tabloids never actually picked up on it and i think if 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 there wasn't covid that year they would have had an absolute field day with that story because it was just so it wasn't even on the nose it was basically dc comics basically releasing a comic saying prince andrew is a fucking nonce yeah yeah, um, and I'm just yeah. Prince Andrew is a fucking. Wait, where's where's the uh, where's the where's the kind of protest song for this jubilee? I mean, you know, 
Silver Jubilee, we had God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. What have we got now? What are we left with? Well, we have got Prince Andrew is a sweaty fucking nonce, which is, I, think, I think went top 10. Oh, is it the, uh, the Cunts? The Cunts, yeah. Cunts, yeah. That's, 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 actually the, band's song. that's the band's name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I see that's too, it's too on the nose. <laughs> too far? Too jazzy? No, it's not too far. It's just, you know, I mean, one of the things I like about British humour and, you know, kind of British anti-establishment stuff is it, it can, it's, there's a nice subtle to it sometimes, you know, it's not too, it's not too crass, but it is kind of pointed. That's just too, it's too, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for something more along the lines of a Monty Python, not the nine o'clock news. Yeah. That yeah. kind of, you know, a bit more subtle. you know. Yeah, but we don't we don't live in a society now where that kind of thing catches on because you have to think about it too much. It needs to be in your face and straight away because it'll only be there for five minutes and then it'll be gone again. So that is exactly why you know this con- that country or the UK is absolutely screwed. I'm sorry, it's just whatever. I'm mean, I'm coming back in 28, 27 days, so I'll sort I'll try and sort as much out as I can, <laughs> but I can't make any promises. I mean, I'm just going to be standing at, like, Speaker's Corner, just going, right, who's next? Come here. Right. Yeah, we don't need that. Do the podcast from Speaker's Corner. I mean, I'm probably going to go too far and end up in the tower, burn at the stake. That might not be a bad thing. Yeah. You can do do remote lessons from the tower, London. You'll be fine. Mate, that'd be really cool, actually. Anyway, let's move on from the Queen, because I've this fucking bunting everywhere around the town where I live. (laughs) Are you having a street pie? Are you having a street pie with Mr. Kipling? Mr. Kipling fancies and like individually wrapped bakewell tarts. <laughs> and like, you know, a platter of, of Greg's. My, my um, I mean, I did think, I did, I did see one article online a few days ago about how the, the Jubilee has been an absolute marketing windfall for people because they're just slapping it on everything. Yeah, of course they are. That's that's exactly what you do, though, isn't it? You just you jump on the bandwagon. My um my road is doing is is closing for a street party tomorrow. Um, but I think that they they do it every time, every every whiff of the celebration. I think they just like closing the road to bypassing traffic. Run, run a mile. I just stayed and watched Test cricket. I mean, that's, the other thing as well was like I, I don't know about you, but I'm sorry. The the Champions League final last last Saturday was pants. Didn't watch it. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Didn't miss much. Uh, it was. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on um, and do a bit of metal news stuff, or we can talk about the fact that Ted Nugent is still a knuckle dragon, gun toted, fuck face moron. What's he done now? Well, obviously, with the the horrible shootings in the states last week, um, he's obviously come out defending guns again, and you know, the, the guns that were used, AR-15 rifles, apparently, he's come out to say, well, they're, they're not they're not assault rifles, they're not automatic weapons, you know, all this kind of shit. Just basically making a dick of himself like he usually does whenever there's a gun-based tragedy in America. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything because I'm not going to waste any sort of energy on that contemptuous, awful That's... prick, quite frankly. He's yeah. been beneath me. He's not worth it. No, he's not. He really isn't. He's, uh, he's a scumbag. You know, a man in his 70s who was once on the board of the NRA, he just needs to he just needs to shut the fuck up and go away. Wango Tango, more like wanker cunt. 
Yes. Yes, that's like the fourth time that word's been used in this podcast this week. But sometimes... My, 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 the thing that I always um, kind of don't... I don't see the validity to the argument is I, I kind of... I understand why someone w- wants to keep a rifle. And like before I moved to uh, Korea in 2009, I was completely, utterly, no guns, ridiculous idea. And I met a lot of Americans. Some of them were servicemen, some of them were, you know, colleagues and stuff and like a lot of them were like you know completely rational people and they're like oh I, i've got four rifles and i'd be like why do you need four rifles and um i think you know sensible people who like to go out duck hunting and stuff like that fair and i mean fair enough handguns though there's you don't go hunting deer with a handgun you don't go hunting deer with an ar-15 there, there's only one purpose for them um so why can't you just ban those guns or not or prohibit, limit their sale. And say, look, if you want to keep the shotgun that your dad used to have, that your great-grandfather used to have, fair enough, inherit it, great, it's a shotgun. Take six shells, you're not going to go around and blow away 21 kids with it. But, the you know, a bolt-action rifle for hunting, great. You know, I mean, again, in, in America, people live in, in areas of the country where they need a gun because there's, there's wolves, there's wildlife. I get that. We don't have that in, in the UK. No. But no one needs... Like um, a Glock that takes sixteen bullets and can you can fire a magazine in a couple of seconds. You know, no one needs an AR-15, and it's not just that. I mean, it's the, like with the um, the storming of the Capitol building when Trump was still there. These people are like they're, they're not just wearing guns; they've got night vision goggles, they've got body armor, they've got camis. They're like they're a militia. They're you not the new world people. order. Yeah, yeah. It's We're talking about arming teachers, and it's like, well, how the hell is a teacher going to fare about someone who's body armored up to the max? I would absolutely, okay, if I can just comment on that, I would absolutely find that hysterical. Can you imagine? Like, so like when you're a teacher, obviously one of the things you go through every year or a couple of times a year, depending on where you, where you work and who you work for, is the uh, formal observation. So it's like part of your development, your professional development. Or it could even be quality control in a lot of places. Or like if Ofsted came in. Can you imagine like when you when you write a lesson plan, you have to put in your anticipated problems and solutions. You just imagine putting in that uh, gun holstered at my hip might go off, uh, bullet might ricochet off whiteboard, you know, uh, might might accidentally hit Dave in the head, or um, like in the in the feedback after the lesson. Yeah, that stage of the lesson where you kind of took your gun out and started waving it around, probably not the best idea. It's just ridiculous. If you're not going to buy, if you're not going to pay teachers a decent salary, if you're not going to buy them the materials they need to actually do the job, but you've got no no problem arming them and then having to pay the money to arm them and give them the ammunition, it's retarded. What what's next? You're going to have a box on the side of the classroom wall with with a with a loaded pistol in it, break in case of shooter. Where does this end? It's asinine. It can't end. And what happens, sorry, what happens, what would happen if, for example, a teacher was unpopular with a specific student, that student managed to get that gun off them and shoot the teacher? That could feasibly happen. Or the gun is left unmonitored, un- a, a student takes it and shoots another student with it. You're bringing in an, an, a variable into what is already a situation populated by people who are learning to govern and control their own emotions. Teenagers are volatile people. You know, Trigenza, you've got two, you're on the verge of having two of them. So 
yeah, no, no. no disrespect to, te- uh, to teachers uh, overall, but you know we've we've had teachers who were were absolutely angry mental people. Yeah, exactly. Our time and Works both ways. guns. Yeah. America has has crossed too many Rubicons when it comes to firearms. I I, I think. It's just not a conversation that the rest of us can offer anything fruitful towards outs, you know, outside of that country. It's it's their problem at this point. God knows how they're going to solve it. Um, well, they, they won't. It's, it's, yeah, it's far too institutionalised, isn't it? And until until the, the, the country actually admits there's a problem, I think I've said for a long time it needs. It's going to be a long time because when you get to the point now where children are doing this stuff as routine and doing shoot drills and and living with firearms until they get to an age where they can potentially change things because they've lived through the worst of it and they really have this generation of, of youngsters yeah. um we're not going to see a change um it, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better but it could get better because because of this generation will get power eventually but I, I, no I, I don't know it always makes me laugh though the argument that um they need guns to protect themselves from the government because they, they think it's going to be like another oh, 1860, 1861 situation. And I'm like, I've, I've said to some Americans before, listen, this time when the government comes after, after you, they're not coming after you with um, Springfield rifles and, and uh, cannon, rifle cannon. They're coming after you with Apache gunships. Yeah. You're going to be able to shoot down an Apache gunship with a shitty yeah. AR-15. Yeah. Bring it near it. You, 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 you look at Waco. Yeah, it's it's... It's, I think they know that. I think it's just a bad excuse that they just keep, you know, using to to, to justify having guns. They like their guns. They like having that power. A lot of them. That's it. Yeah. This, this is my rifle. This is my gun. It, it, yeah. yeah. It won't change. Anyway, move on to something a bit more lighthearted. Um, Scorpions apparently have have changed the lyrics to "Winds of Change" because the song romanticizes Russia too much. So to give you the example, um, one of the lyrics from the, from the original song, follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park. Um, and they're now singing Lion's Night. Now listen to my heart. It says Ukraine waiting for the wind to change. I mean, obviously, wind of change came out in what? 89, 89, 90? Yeah, no, very different time. I mean, I can understand why they do it. And I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to sing it at the minute. Or maybe they should just stop singing Winter Change completely. What do you reckon? I just don't see the point of changing the lyrics. I mean, it, that song is about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. It doesn't glorify Russia. No, but maybe they feel Maybe they just feel uncomfortable singing it. For me, it's just, well, don't sing it then. Don't change it. Just, just don't perform it anymore. Yeah, just sing Virgin Killer instead. <laughs> well, apart from that and, and Rocky Like a Hurricane, that's all they've got. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, all right, yeah, you're probably right, but no, I, no, I, I just think they should just not fucking bother, really. Change, <laughs> it's, it's, it is a terrible song. So I've only ever seen them once, and they didn't play it. So and I don't, I don't feel cheated for that. Yeah. Where did you I see them? Sleep over it. No, sorry, so, no, twice I've seen them. And we've seen them. We've seen them twice. Yeah. Backen yeah. and Plymouth Pavilion. Judas Priest. Okay. Of all fucking places, so yeah. All right, that's that's the uh, in the abyss verdict. Stop fucking playing it and move on. Um, Kurt Cobain's Fender Mustang sold last week for four and a half million dollars. Nice, nice. Is that, is that the only one that wasn't smashed? Who actually owned it though? 
I don't know. I, I don't know if it came from his estate. It wasn't Courtney Love, was it? Was, but, um, I don't think so. I don't think so. But even so, four and a half million quid? Fucking hell. Do you, did, you, did, you, did anything ever happen with that, um, the baby from the cover of Nevermind, and he was, he was suing I don't think Ivana. So. I don't think so. Actuals. It was five minutes of fame, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, know. it's just such a you know if 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 that was actually you know he was because I know he was saying that you know he felt um, violated because like everyone had seen his um his genitalia and it caused him a lot of anxious anxiety and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, it's it's great. I mean, you go up to someone in the bar and go, "Chances are you've already seen my genitalia. Would you like to see more of it?" <laughs> like, who are you? Uh, I'm the baby from the full cover of Nevermind. It's, it's just, there's so much you can do with that. So the thing is, wasn't there some, I don't know, probably some article where people recreated the album covers that they were, they were on or modelling on, and he did. As a, yeah. As, you yeah. Know, as, as an adult, he actually yeah. willingly did it. And it's like, well, and now you're, now you're suing them? Yeah, yeah. 30 years, down the line, yeah. A lawyer's got hold of him and said, oi, you know, you could do this. And he's gone, oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's it. And then, and then someone said, no, you, you won't win, mate. And he's given up. And the other thing as well, I mean, I'm glad that Johnny Depp shit's over. It's been quite entertaining. It, it should yeah. be, though. That's a trouble. It's, you know, ultimately, it's rooted around domestic violence. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't give a shit if she's liable to you. You obviously did something. I'm not saying she's even that balanced either, but, like, she can afford to go and do a court case like that. There's hundreds of thousands of women that are getting assaulted, abused, you know, mentally and physically yeah, and, she, and it's she just like you just set everything back. She hasn't helped the situation, and apparently she can't afford to pay him the ten million dollars that she's she's due to pay him anyway. So, you know. for me, it's like I mean, I think he's probably lost work not because of of that, but because he's he's obviously got you know uh, dependency issues with alcohol and yeah, yeah, yeah. drugs. So he, that's more like a stone. That's just as much to blame for like you losing work as anything Amber Heard did. I don't want to waste time on our podcast talking about that pair of cunts. So um, one thing I have wasted my time with today, though, is listening to, because obviously it's the Jubilee and all that, Planet Rock did um, 70 greatest rock songs of all time. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd listen to as much of it as I possibly could. I'll give you, uh, you want to guess what the top five was? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Number one, Bohemian Rhapsody. was number one. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's very full by listeners as well, so... You know, I'm not uh, knocking it as a song, but it's just so predictable. It's is it the best rock song ever made? No, of course not. It's not even Queen's best song. But if you think if, if there's a there's a certain iconicness to it. it smells like Teen Spirit. Was that in there? Yeah. Is it of the seventies? Number two. Teen Spirit wasn't in there. No, this is this is really? overall this is, is all time greatest seventy. Hotel California. Uh, that was that was in the top sort of ten, I think, in there somewhere. So it smells like Teen Spirit wasn't there at all. Um, I didn't hear that, to be fair. Well, number two was Stairway to Heaven. Okay. Uh, Paranoid. Again, no, that wasn't in. Number three was Stargazer, which I thought was quite a nice time. What? That was number three? Yeah. Um, number four was Freebird. Yeah, fair and, enough. Uh, number five was Pink Floyd, Comfortably Numb. Okay. Right. What's, so, what's right. the other top ten? I mean, we of Your Love was that in the top ten, was it? No, that wasn't in there. Hmm. Um, Hendrix? Me. Blackbird by Alterbridge was number seven. What? Oh, they're, they're trolling us. I'm sorry. So <laughs> they, they, they've got together at a pub and just thought, you know, just there you go. 
we, we need we need 70 songs quickly. They, they didn't have an idea what they were doing for Jubilee Day. And someone's given them a brief and they've got, oh, fuck it. Oh, bollocks to Alter Bridge. Fuck it. <laughs> that, like I said, it was voted for by listeners. So, you know, it's, it's the Planet Rock crowd, isn't it? A um, couple of highlights. The highest maiden one was Hallaby and I Am was number 12. Uh, the highest Guns and Roses was Sweet Child of Mine at 13. There's loads of ACDC in there. Loads of ACDC. Um, a lot of Zeppelin. And the Sandman was the highest Metallica one at 18. Um, again, a lot of Deep Purple. Paranoid was 21. So Priest in there? Was Priest in there? I didn't hear any Priest when I was listening to it. Layla, Clapton, anything, any of them? It it's just goes, goes to prove my theory that... What about um, All Right Now by people. Free? Right, this, right, this, this one's wrong. This must be when I missed it. And number 29 was Tribute by Tenacious D. <laughs> You cannot trust people. <laughs> people voted for the Nazis and listened to Coldplay. No, no, they people. did not. That is a that is apocryphal. I'm just quite a peep show, but well, they didn't. Well, they, were, they, were they elected in some capacity to begin with? This, this, this is this entire episode. That is an entire podcast episode. Listen, the <laughs> highest they ever got that was 37.5 percent of the vote. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. They, yes, they they did get votes, but they were never. They did not, they never got enough to have an overall majority. So. No, no. Um, what else? Uh, number 50 was Boston's More Than a Feeling. Now, for me, that that is one of the great rock songs of all time. It certainly should be higher than that. It's that song's got everything. It's it's the right length, great chorus, great lyrics, it's catchy, it's got it's got the full works. I think that was Paul. Ripped off enough times, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, you know, the rest of it was, the Hendrix stuff was quite low down. There's a lot of Rush in there. Um, she Sells Sanctuary by The Cult was number 60. Def Leppard at 63 would pour some sugar on me. Too much Rush. I think Animal should be in there, really. I, I think that's a great song. If you're going to pick, if you're going to pick out Def Leppard songs, yeah, I, I wouldn't say Pour Some Sugar on Me is one of their best. It was a great video, but I'm not sure whether it was. it's one of their... Animal, animal is. I mean, yeah. Pour some sugar, sugar me is a bit like let's, but let's get rocked. It's just a bit. Yeah. You know. Um, Route one, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. You know, if we're talking hysteria, then animal, uh, love bites, and hysteria are probably the standouts. Um, and they're not. They're not as good as well. Pretty much anything off Pyromania. Yeah, I gotta admit when um, when I saw Def Leppard in 2018 do hysteria and fall, hysteria was probably the highlight of the whole set. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But certainly not pour some sugar. But this is what happens when you when you give the public a voice. Sounds very much like um, I remember my, my dad had a double CD for Christmas one year, but the the heaviest album in the world ever, or something, part one. And um, you know, it's like it was most of these songs that like Blue Oyster Cult, Paranoid was on there. You two, In the Name of Love. Um, Eric, uh, Cream were on there, um, Motorhead, ZZ Top, or, you know, a lot of these bands that you're mentioning, um, but not like the really big ones like Led Zeppelin, because obviously it's a compilation album. Yeah. So they can't afford the, the rights to get Led Zeppelin songs. So it's like that one second those, tier. Uh, that's one of those compilation albums that they, they just change the title depending on what time of year it gets released, like, you know, greatest yeah. dad rock anthems and, and things like that in it. For Father's Day, and See, that, that, that's another thing that's dead because now you've got like Spotify and everything else. You don't need stuff like that anymore. 
that's true. Talking to Led Zeppelin, I've seen a couple of things on social media in the last couple of days that um, Robert Plant has started to hint that he would play shows again with Page and John Paul Jones. Obviously not John Bonham. Oh. I'd pay to see that, though. Assuming with... Um, it would probably be with Jason Bonham, I assumed if it happened. I remember seeing... I remember seeing their O2 show on DVD and um, like I was watching it with my uh, my father-in-law before he passed away and uh, he saw, he, this is uh, in Canada and uh, he saw a Zeppelin in, in playing Ottawa year, you know, back in the 70s and like me and him were sat there looking at the O2 show thinking, why are there so many glow sticks? <laughs> <laughs> like it was embarrassing and, and it's all people they're not I'm sorry there must have been some like you know proper Zeppelin fans there but a lot of it, it was like all these celebrities in the crowd because you know and you just like you don't nah piss off just well I, I saw I saw Page and Plant in 97 I think I think it was and it was good and, and that was that was all I, I needed I don't think because look we know full well that if if Zeppelin were to play live again Tickets would be astronomically expensive and it would be somewhere like fucking Hyde Park or something with 100,000 people and you wouldn't be able to see, sh- see shit or hear shit or anything. Nebworth. So, well, fucking Liam Gallagher's headline in Nebworth this weekend, didn't he? Oh, Who gave him permission? <laughs> <laughs> what, as Oasis or just Liam Gallagher? Just as oh, yeah, yeah, they, Who they, they, would pay money to see that knob end? Well, what, what prance around the stage with a, with a tambourine going fucking sha la la? They're worth in '96, I expect. Dickhead, fucking hate Oasis. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we're not on this podcast to talk about Oasis, so um, so let's let's move on then. Um, uh, all right, so hard rock, heavy metal, revolving doors is what we're talking about this week. And all the uh, all the bands that have, have consistently changed members, and sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. Sometimes it's given us comedic value. Um, I'll um, I'll hand over to Padre for an opening statement. The th- the first thing we can talk about is changes that have happened because of no plans on behalf of the band. So, for example, people passing away, and. Obviously, some people you can't replace, but you know there are some some changes I think that have happened to um, bands. So, like uh, one of the things that sh- sprung to mind when I was thinking about this was, I mean, it was very sad to see Jeff Hanneman pass away. Yeah. But as far as a replacement, could you really pick someone better than Gary Holt from a, no. a fellow thrash band, Exodus, very good pedigree, yeah. nice guy, you know. We're, we're not looking to change the Slayer sound, just like let's someone to come in and just shepherd us towards the door as because they've obviously they've retired now. But I mean, I, I think stuff like that that's fine, that's fair enough. Um, I've got, also, to say before, I've got to say quickly before you go, Gary Holt in Slayer just worked, yeah, and it was a very it, you know, it, and it worked for the fans too, yeah. it made sense, yeah. Um You've got other, other, other changes that have been made because people have passed away, obviously. Brian Johnson coming in and replacing Bon Scott. You get back in black. Um, whether or not you can say that the musical quality stayed the same, that's debatable. But you did get a frontman that could pull off Bon Scott's songs, still put on a great live show. They, they carried on for a long time after that. 
and um, ensured that generations of people got to see ACDC play live, which is really what it's all about. I think with um, with ACDC, and obviously none of us are old enough to have seen them with Bon Scott, but with Bon Scott, they were very much, because Bon Scott was, was drinking, fighting, and, and was all about the rock and roll, wasn't it? And I think, obviously, once, you know, when he passed away, it was, you know, it was obviously a terrible thing. Um, but where they went with Back in Black, they went down a, a far more commercial route, didn't they? And, and that's what, like you said, the, the quality of the music may have gone downhill after Back in Black. But as, as a band and as a, as a commercial entity, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not sure, might be controversial, but I'm not sure that would have happened if Bon Scott was still alive. Don't think they would have made that, that break to being one of the biggest bands in the world. I think they would have been pretty, pretty big though. I mean, well, they were, I mean, like, they were already pretty big, but you know, they, they went from being pretty big to back in black, making them one of the biggest bands on the planet, not just rock bands, metal bands, but one of the biggest musical acts on the planet at the time. I, I don't know. If you, if you look at, again, you know, the album was happening at that point in time as well, wasn't it? 79, 80. Yeah. So was right. I think, I think, with what was going on and the, you know, how how hard rock and metal exploded at that point in time. Yeah, I, I could have seen ACDC getting quite big anyway. Um, they, 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 they've been at it for years. They were experienced. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, maybe they wouldn't have written Back in Black, but they... they I think they would have always been in a position where yeah. they would have headlined on it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I, I, think, I think as well... So, I mean, if we're talking about bands like in that around that time in the same vein, when we talk about lineup changes, I mean, there's the whole any any band Richie Blackmore was ever a member of had constant <laughs> revolving door lineup change. Um, so that Deep Purple, Rainbow, how many how many lineup changes did Rainbow have? There was um, a few. I think Deep Purple are more the one to um, to focus on because you know they were going through band members like a, a stray dog and a band. They team. didn't. They had Ian Gillian and then they got David Coverdale. Yeah. And then they got Ian Gillian back in, and then they got rid of him. And then he went off and joined and formed Rainbow. And then he had Dio, and then he had yeah two other people after that. Then he went to Black Sabbath. Yeah, Dio went to Black Sabbath. Thankfully, oh, Gillian went to Black Sabbath as well. Did he? Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Glenn did Black Sabbath. Yeah. Don't forget, don't forget Glenn Hughes. He was in there as well. But then, uh, do you remember the comical thing a while ago, where you had two bands called Deep Purple touring, both with a claim to the name, and and, and I think that's that that's when it gets to the almost like a Spinal Tap level of just absurdity, where I think one one version of Deep Purple had Gillen in and. Uh, like John Lord and people like that. And then another one, I can't remember. Was it Richie Blackmore or was it someone else? Well, Blackmore was doing... I, I can't remember what he by then. But no, he, you talk about Gillen though, but Gillen was in and out of Deep Purple quite a few times, wasn't he? He was back, he was back in Deep Purple again in the 80s. I think around about 1984, I think he came back to the end. Yeah, of Deep Purple were pretty much a completely different band in the 60s with a different lineup. You know, they... Yeah. You know, they changed the lineup completely and changed, became a different band. And for that fourth album in rock, and yeah, I mean, I mean, my, one of my favourites about reading up on this is, and um, it's a band like absolutely loathe, Fear Factory. Uh, 
I mean, how many times has Dean Egazaris left that band, got back in that band, Burton Seabell in out and now and apparently over the thirty over the last thirteen years or there have been I think it's the something like thirteen band changes, lineup changes in that band, and they've almost come full circle where Dean Egazaris is now the only original member left in that band. Well, the thing is. Kazaris isn't no, Kazaris isn't actually an original member, is he? I think Burton C. Bell was the only original member left at the point yeah, yeah. when he quit. But he was he was in the middle of a court battle between Christian Older Walbers and Raymond Herrera over the yeah. legal name, legal rights to the band, which he lost and therefore then quit. So it's now left with just Dino Kazaris, and apparently has now hired a new singer. Um, no one knows who it is, doesn't know if it's somebody established. Or or what? But I mean, like, it's like you can you can almost you can almost align Fear Factory's entire musical and lyrical concept of man against machine to what happens with the band. It's just a constant fucking battle, and it, it never really. I, stops, I think yeah. I mean, I mean, some bands write concept albums. Fear Factory are a concept band, and and, and the concept is the first three minutes of Terminator Two Judgment Day. <laughs> I mean that man against machine. You can just imagine it, like Dina Kazaris, like phoning up Burton C. Bell, like four in the morning. I've been up all night. I've had this vision for our next album. It's really, I've got a really original take on something. Because what is it? it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a dystopian industrial wasteland where man is being hunted by machine. Yes, I love it. Let's do it. Hang on, wasn't that demanufacture? No, this is better. Uh, <laughs> and you're you're actually a Fear Factory fan, so you you've probably got a bit more of a common sense point of view. I mean, Burton C. Bell. I, I've never been a Fear Factory fan, but he does have quite a unique voice. So, can they replace him and carry on as they were? Well, again, considering that Herrera and Walbers left ages ago, and they've been sort of continuing the other two with Gene Hoagland and. Oh, someone else and sound wise they haven't changed like like you say i mean they they peaked years ago they they did their thing brilliantly i think absolutely brilliantly on demanufacture and it's been it's been downhill gradually since it's been, you know there's been a few good bits and pieces for for them but they haven't changed they, they really haven't they they found their niche um and they just stuck to it and you know everything has been a variation on demanufacture ever since so i i reckon you get someone who sounds a bit like Burton Seabell. Yeah, you, 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 they can just carry on as they were, really. But carry on flogging that dead horse. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just Dino Dino Cazares' band at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I I think they should just sort of yeah call themselves a new, new name and do something a bit different. I mean, you know, why 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 not? Yeah, that would that would make more sense. I mean, to be fair, I, I do quite like the manufacturer. I'm not a Fear Factory fan at all, but that just nailed it. It's, 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 it's that's it. I mean, I I I can quite happily live with just that album and none of the others. Um, it's it's very high on my on their list. Like, when are Fear Factory going to become obsolete? <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, though, I mean, this is Fear Factory we're talking about. You can't you can't put Fear Factory in the same in the same conversation as, as Deep Purple and, and as ACDC and bands like that. So these days, maybe, you know, members in bands are more replaceable. I mean, look at Killswitch Engage. I mean, they've bounced between vocalists and it's not really done them any harm. So... Yeah, I mean, vocal, vocalist is an interesting one because you, you, you think of vocalists being, you know, intrinsic to a band's identity. 
but you think you know bands who have changed vocalists and, and have had either the same success or better success after changing look at look at iron maiden first time round. yeah and, and again yeah look at deep purple yeah um yeah it's probably probably loads loads of examples out there of, and yeah you can look at acdc and say that you know they they circumstances aside they they became even bigger um so yeah, I don't. I don't think that you know changing a vocalist is 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 a problem at all. It's ultimately down to the band and what they feel feel is going to work organically. And you know, can we replace this person or not? Is or is what they do too unique to what we do currently? Uh, and if they don't think that, crack on. Um, I can't. I can't. I I'm struggling to think of any examples where I think outside of Lemmy and Motorhead, where a band has lost their singer and quit outright. Or, or changed because the singer's died or, or moved on. Um, it's not, it's very few and far between. They usually get someone else and crack on. Yeah, I mean, the, with Maiden the first time around, obviously, was they wanted to go down a certain direction, didn't they? And Morgiano yeah. didn't fit that. He, he would happily go on stage with a, with a gun, but he wouldn't go on stage with a, with a sword or, or do all that kind of pantomime stuff. So, you know, it's obviously Bruce Dickinson was happy to do. So, you know, they went that direction and it obviously worked and worked really well. They definitely wouldn't have got to where they got to if they'd stuck with Paul Diano. They just wouldn't have been no. a band. But obviously then when Bruce left in the 90s, it didn't work out so well second time around, did it? I, don't, I mean, I, I still, I maintain, you know, the Maiden's 90s downfall was, you know, down to Adrian Smith leaving. Yeah, 100%. Take that song right in a way. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. Yeah, it was a huge difference in the 90s. It just wasn't the same. I don't know, the, the, the songs just, they just weren't structured in the same way. There wasn't the same sort of pomp about it, was there? It wasn't the same drama to it. You know, Seven was a masterpiece. But um, but yeah, the, the whole Blaze Bailey era. And even when Bruce came back, there's a few moments on Brave New World that some of the songs sounded like offcuts from the Blaze era and just weren't, just weren't quite there. Or is that a... Sweeping statement. Depends what songs you're thinking of, really. Um, uh, what was it? Um, is it The Fallen Angel? Was that what it was called? I can't even remember. I mean, I, I don't be wrong, I love Brave New World. But... That was a good lineup change, though. When uh, Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> like Fallen Angel, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's a big shake-up. I mean, that, 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 that had long-lasting effect. Um, the Mercenary and The Fallen Angel, those two songs sounded like they could have been on X Factor or... Yeah, they probably weren't the, the, the sort of big memorable ones, were they? Yeah, so, mm. you know, let's sort of focus on something in particular. And, and we're talking about vocalists, but band members in general that are not at all replaceable. As you talk about, you, you know... When um, when Bon Scott died, I'm sure a lot of people said, "Well, that would have been it for ACDC." But you know, they found Brian Johnson, and obviously the rest is history. But there's going to be some bands that, if they lost certain members, could not carry on. Whether it's a vocalist, a guitar player, or or what. Um, I'll start off with Van Halen. You know, you couldn't have Van well, Halen without Eddie Van Halen, regardless of the name. You know, they were they're, they're, the whole Van Halen's signature identity was eddie's guitar work yeah it, yeah you know either okay yeah oh let's get joe satriani in or someone someone who's very good at guitar 
he's not Eddie Van Halen. He he doesn't. They won't have that same. You're gonna write the songs. That that's it. It's not just the guitar style. It's you've got to write the songs. Mm. And yeah. but, you know, I mean, you can you can go and watch Joe Satriani playing. And, my God, that guy! He knows how to play guitar. So is Steve I, or I know, a host of other guitar players like that. And, yeah. and I really like the song "Surfing with an Alien." Surfing with the Alien, I think it's fantastic. But you can't write an entire album like that. No. Um, and you know, unfortunately, Dave Lee Roth thought he was the the main guy in Van Halen. I mean, I mean, it's like when you get to the point where its egos just run rabbit. Can you imagine what it was must have been like backstage for that band, Van Halen and Dave Lee Roth in the same band? I mean, you wouldn't be able to get in through the door. It's the ego just would be like you know filling the room. Was was Eddie Van Halen an egomaniac though, in the same way that Dave Lee Roth was? I don't think he's ever. No, no. I, I don't. I'm not talking about like going around putting putting you know putting people down or like overshadowing people. But I mean, or thinking you're the absolute you know bee's knees. But I think if if you're as good and as Eddie Van Halen, as talented as Van Halen, and as integral to what you're doing as he was. You're going at some point to become territorial. I know an offshoot, maybe, of just the fact that if you're that good, you're probably going to have a certain level of self confidence and you're not going to be like pushed around by someone and be like, no, shut up. I'm the one that's writing the songs. You're just the front man. And then if you say that to someone like Dave Lee Roth, they're going to be like, fuck you. I'm more than just the front man. You know? I'm Dave Lee Roth. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, what is it like with, with Pink Floyd? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Those, those two, those two are just. I mean, they're men in their seventies, but they act like children. I, I, you know, I would love to see a Pink Floyd reunion, but it's never going to happen because it's it's all very much yeah. But he said this and he said that. It's like putting pigtails in a fucking playground. <laughs> you know, I just need to grow up and give. If people you ever get the chance, though, if you ever get the chance, go to Naples, take the date, take the train down to Pompeii, just so you can see. The Pink Floyd Pompeii exhibition. Yeah, you know it, it, it's it's great. You know, and it's it, you know it's uh, they've got the videos up and they've got the interviews and you know if you like Pink Floyd and you've even got a smidgen of you know interest in like Roman history, go there. And, and you know, obviously the pizza is fantastic because it's Naples. Where every cloud is a silver lining. But so Van Halen's one, and yeah, and you mentioned Motorhead. I mean, uh, well. I know you're not going to like me for this, but Rush, I mean, you know, we lost Neil Peart. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's you, true. You're not. I, I, mean, I mean, even Alex Lifeson, his, his, his hand was causing him problems. So he pretty much said, it, you know, before before Peart died, that we, we're not going to tour again because Alex, you know, his hand was just screwed. I mean, yeah, another one. Randy Rhodes can't really replace him, unfortunately. And look, and look what, what Ozzy Osbourne ends up with. Zach Wilde. Like... Come on. I but mean, again, again, Aussie, Aussie, the, the whole, it just went down a different, a different avenue, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Bark at the Moon is probably his, probably his most successful album as a solo artist, isn't it? Oh, of course. Yeah. It's certainly right. most, probably, probably the most accessible. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say that the Randy Rose is replaceable, but yeah, maybe because we just went down a different avenue. And again, that might have been a Sharon Osbourne influence. Even back then. What, what about this, though? Band members that you thought were irreplaceable, but then you found out actually, no, they weren't. Ooh. 
so for example like maybe like i mean i, I maybe there were, there was a point in time where people thought that you know oh, pantera can't lose phil anselmo and really the person that they couldn't lose was dimebag um and i know they i know pantera split up but then dimebag and that lot went off and did something else whether you like like damage plan or not what's really anselmo done since I mean, well, Anselmo's done a lot. It's just whether it's any good or not is more. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, um, I mean, Down was great. Um, yeah, but you know, Down was Down was around long before Dimebag was was taken away. So it's not like it was a replacement. And and to be fair, you know, the first Down album is is an amazing piece of work, but they they've never even come close with the couple of albums that came. Superjoy Mitchell was pants. Yeah, that wasn't great either. It was yeah. a bit half-assed. But you say about Dimebag, I mean, you know, went on to do Damage Plan, and, but they got in a singer that was, you know, a bit Anselmo-like in a way. It, it is, you know, if you wanted a, a bad Anselmo tribute act, it was, that's yeah. what... Kind like of, Anselmo, but not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's what they were trying to do. But the songs were shit. Simple as that, really. The one time I saw them, I think it was a download, and, and the only time they ever really got any... Semblance of interest was when they did walk. Damage style. Yeah. I mean, I just I just remember being at download that year where they played the tribute to Dimebag and the tribute was just replaying the previ- previous year's set from Damage Plan. And you're like, that's what you want to play, Damage Plan. No mention of Pantera. You know, but you they would have been better off putting up 101 live proof on and just playing that over the speakers. Just down and then all those like you know, the new the new metal fans crying, oh we missed him so much. Bitch, please. <laughs> You're up there at Ozfest 98 or before, shut up. So what if um what if Anselmo was to go out and tour as Pantera? No. No, it's, I, it's just like the deep purple no, thing. No. It's, it's, it's always, it's always, it's always Zach Wild, isn't it? It's always, oh, we'll get Zach Wild in to replace Dimebag, it'll be fine. I mean, did you, did Pantera, you, Pantera, with that four. I mean, you must have, you must have heard the story about um, Mustaine wanted Dimebag to join Megadeth. Yeah. And Dimebag would only join. He goes, well, I'll, I'll bring my, bring my brother with me for drummer. And Mustaine was all, oh, I was drum tech. He goes, no, I was drummer. He goes, I've already got a drummer, Nick Menza. Like, uh, I mean, there was one point if you read. If you read Slash's autobiography, he talks about he almost joined Megadeth. Yeah. And they were jamming. Him and Mustaine used to do yeah. used to together and jam. <laughs> you know, that would be an interesting take to listen to. Right, well, let's let's talk Megadeth then, because um, we won't talk about the, uh, the the you know the, the elephant in the room, but we'll talk about the the fact that Megadeth has gone through many, many members in the last sort of 20 odd years. Uh, I think you need to caveat this and say that in is it a case of there's a revolving door of members or he's literally it's hired guns because I think there's a difference. Yeah, like, this what, isn't what, like Gillian leaving Deep Purple again and again and again. I mean, I mean, I know Ellison came back and left and he's gone again, but um, I mean, he had. I mean, if you want to get if you want to get really technical, Kerry King was in Megadeth for 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 part. Yeah, um, and then long. you had Chris Poland and Gar Samuelson. They were on there for two records. They get fired because they, they're selling all the gear for dope. That's a genuine lineup change because I don't really think mm. Mustaine was saying, "Right, I'm going to have these for two albums and get rid of them." 
And then he had, you know, Jeff Young. That was a, that never really, I mean, who was Jeff Young? Like, where did he come from? It's unsurprising because it's, it's his, it's a reactionary band, isn't it? It it wasn't like he got together with school friends or or any other friends and said, you know, let's, let's get together and start making music. That's a fair point. He he got, you know, he, he got kicked out of Metallica and he was like, right, I'll show them. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. The entire foundation of the band is based on a reaction, isn't it? So, yeah, so, and it's yeah, and it, and it's always and it, he's gone. Out, he went out of his way to get the best he could get, like the best band members he could get when he was kicked out. And he's always gone and tried to get the best band band members or hired guns, as it were. He's always brought in very good musicians. There's no doubt about that. Um, Alpha Trelli on guitar was one. Yeah, Jeff Loomis for a little bit on guitar. Um, Kiko Loreo, who's got now amazing guitar player. He's always a good drummer. Jimmy DeGrasso, people like that. He's always got the right people in. But you always think these days when you go to see Megadeth, I, you never quite know if you're going to see the same lineup that you saw on a previous tour. But you're right, it's, it's, that, it's that difference between hired guns and band members now. That's why I refer to them as Megadeth because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same, it, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's his band. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's quite it's, it's appropriate to think of them as someone like Nine Inch Nails. It's it's yeah. Dave Mustaine's project, simple as that. Um, yeah, okay. So you know, he, he had a lineup that that did better and gelled much better compared to the others over the over well over the nineties, really. Um, but yeah, it is. It's it's his his band, and uh, you know, when people talk about obviously oh, my band and whatnot, you you really can say that for he can say that, and he can he he has a right to claim that. Um, he even sets rules now, doesn't he? Like the band have to dress in a certain way when they're in public and, and that kind of thing. It's a very, mm. it's, almost, it's almost like a business agreement now, which is again hired guns. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? And it's interesting because you know that it, it was always talking about how Metallica had that reputation. You know, no side projects, you can't do this and whatnot, and arguably, yeah. But that, that I don't think that was like a you're signing a contract. Um, I mean, like when uh, these people are joining Megadeth, they're literally signing a, a service agreement. They're getting a salary. Yeah. They're not getting, you know, uh, royalties from previous albums. Um, and again, I think that maybe would be a, a difference between a revolving door of lineup, original band members and hired guns. I mean, I think it's like they're getting paid three to $5,000 a show. And they say you're gonna you're gonna tour. You're gonna do this amount of dates. This is your 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 net salary. Um, these are the perks we can offer you, and then we expect you to do this, 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 and this. That is a salaried position. I mean, is that is that really what playing in a band is about? I mean, maybe maybe maybe, maybe these days, maybe these days, with the way way music is. I mean, mind you, though, if Dave Mustaine and you're a metal guitar player and you're a metal fan phones you up and goes, I want you to come and play with my band for a year or all that sort. You're gonna say no? No, of course you're not. Of course you're not. But maybe maybe you've got to look at it in the fact that people have rent and mortgages and bills to pay now. So getting something like a salaried position yeah. playing guitar for Megadeth these days when no one's making any money out of music, <laughs> getting paid five thousand dollars a show, is that such a bad thing? Go, go you, you go for your next job interview. Where was your last job? Lead guitar player in Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, 
it says it all that I can't remember what the lineup was the last time I saw Megadeth, other than Dave Anderson. He was, I think, yeah. he was in the band then, but I can't remember who was on drums and who was on guitar. I last saw them in that download in 2016. Who was in the band? Well, apart, apart from Dave and Dave, couldn't tell you. There you go. I just, yeah. So they are like almost have become the type of high guns band. I, I kind of made and it. And I think as well, you, you, we can talk about, I mean, another one of uh, Megadeth's contemporaries. And it's like, I think it's one of those cases of a, uh, it's like kind of almost like, you know, pe- a, a former band member comes back and people are like, yeah, it's going to be like a resurgence. And they're going to, you know, Anthrax, Joey Belladonna. How many times has he come back to that band and got kicked out again? You know, I mean, I've seen them with Joey Belladonna and I've seen them with John Bush. And like the, 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 the I, I saw them. With John, uh, is it is it John Bush? Yeah, John Bush. Yeah, yeah, Bush. Yeah, uh, uh, the Cardiff University Students Union in 2004 on a Sunday night in the, the, the nightclub, Solus nightclub, very small venue. The next time I saw Anthrax was on the main stage at Download in 2005 with Joey Belladonna, and the sound was awful because the, like, Slayer had problems with the uh, the monitors that day, so you could hardly hear them. But you know, it was like, oh yeah, Belladonna's back. It's going to be great. No, it wasn't An- Anthrax. That's another one that was business, wasn't it? It, it was. It was based purely on the fact they wanted to go down a certain direction, and they they reached a point with Belladonna where they couldn't. They felt like they couldn't go any further. So for the yeah. stop, they brought in John Bush because they they felt it would have taken them down. I mean, it's, it's to some extent, it's almost like some of these bands take a leaf out of like soap operas books. Our oh, ratings are down. Hang on, let's bring Dirty Den back on EastEnders. <laughs> That'll get the numbers back up. Yeah. Or like you know, Dallas, let's have Bobby walk out of the show, uh, the shower and say the last five or six years of the TV show were all a dream. You know, it's just like... Well, this is, this is the valid point. I don't, know, I don't know what other bands are guilty of such a thing, but Anthrax certainly are. Belladonna coming back means that they don't play anything from a Bush era. No. Which means we, we don't hear anything at all live from Sound of White Noise, which is a crime. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. Say what you want. Say what you want. There, were, there is some decent material in, in the John Bush era of Anthrax. So yeah, I, I like John Bush. I like his voice. I thought it worked. Even when they did the um, the Great Two Evils, the reworking classic Anthrax song for John Bush on vocals, I thought even that worked. Well. So you can't disregard it completely. Even Bruce sings Blaze songs in Maiden. Yeah, yeah, we get the Clansmen, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what? Yeah, it's, it's almost a little bit insulting to John Bush that they won't play any of those songs. Mm. But, but yeah, Padre, you're right. It's like, well, we want to go down this direction. All right, well, let's get rid of Belladonna. We'll get John Bush. I mean, they're in. not they're not the only band to do that. I mean, there was that band that Chris Collins used to play for. <laughs> what was it? And they, was it 1989's album When Dreaming Day Unite? What's that name? What's the name of that band? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Chris Collins, who? Yeah, Chris Collins used to play for um, Dream, <laughs> Dream Theatre. And he was replaced by Charlie Dominici, who was then replaced by Chris Collins again. Until... We were doing so well. You fucking reptile. <laughs> and then you had the whole Mike Portnoy, Mike Man- Mangini, you know, change as well. You know, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> for, um, for the record, who the fuck is Chris Collins? Yeah. Um, so 
Was he a Chris singer Collins before James the first person, Chris Collins was the first person to sing for Dream Theater. Yeah, yeah. In the 1986 demo, The Majesty demo. He... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. They called their demo The Majesty. <laughs> the Majesty demos. That fucking says it all. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlie Dominici replaced Collins in, in late 86. And he was featured on the official Shirley album, 1989's When Dream and Day Unite. Big <laughs> God. I mean, I, I only bring this up because it winds you up, but just reading this makes me feel nauseous. It's so... It just, ah, oh, the pretension. Ah, oh, dear God. The, the, the James Labrie of the band Winter Rose eventually became their frontman, and he's been the singer ever since 91, the records, images and words which came out the following year. Just like, what, can you come up with worse names for albums? That fucking band. <laughs> This, I mean, if you if you if you're listening to this and you want to send me some new ways of getting this band into the podcast as the wine trigens are up, then please you, you know get in touch with me at Padre in the Abyss on Instagram. I'll do it. I love torturing him. Can we go back to anthrax? <laughs> yeah, use anthrax. Not, not even the band at this rate. Yeah, just give me a dose of anthrax. <laughs> That's not the problem. <sighs> yeah. Um Who's in Anthrax now? It's Belladonna's in the band now, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think they're they're out on like 40th anniversary tour this year, aren't they? So. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's with Municipal Wastes, and I'm. That's it. Yeah. I'm half tempted. I want to see because the new stuff sounds fucking huge. So I want to see them headline uh, next time they're in Britain. But um, yeah, I don't know. Anthrax Municipal Waste. This sounds like a laugh, and I've seen Anthrax enough times, so. Yeah, they'll always be a good live band. And to be fair, I think I think they're better live with Belladonna. Not necessarily Belladonna's a better front man, but I think they it just live it works better. Yeah, I, th- I think when I saw last time I saw Megadeth, um, yeah, in, in, in download 2016, I, I, I wasn't actually that bothered about seeing them. I made a point of seeing them because I was with my mate Rich, who uh, who listens to his podcast. He's not he listens to some of the stuff I like. Um um and some metal stuff um just dipping in but he's not like he's not like us um but he's 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 given a few things a go as a result of his pod he wasn't into wolverine blues though it was not, not quite his thing um yeah well he's he still- um yeah he um we, we made a point of seeing megadeth because that completed the big four for him because he'd seen yeah metallica and metallica and slayer i think years ago who uh, um yeah, I think I'm another down Donington. And I think he saw Anthrax twice in 2014 at Sonosphere because they did they did a secret set where they played um Among the Living in full as well as a sort of normal set. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, that, that was in yeah, t- was it 2012 or 2014, one of them. It was at Sonosphere, but yeah, he saw Anthrax twice that weekend and he loved them. So um and that was great. That was great to see. They're, they are a good live band. Yeah, I um I think in, in London, Anthrax and Municipal Waste is at Brixton, isn't it? I don't think there's tickets left. Yeah. But, um, nice if there were, I'd, I'd go. I think it'd be um, be a good show. Fucking t- see, you talk about that. <laughs> it just throws me completely. I was going to say he's ruined our train of thought, but that was one of their fucking albums, wasn't it? No, that was Train of Consequence, wasn't it? Or something? No, no, Train of Consequence was Megadeth. They did it. Oh, yeah. I reviewed, yeah it bloody, I reviewed it for our website years ago. Train yes. of Oh, yeah, train of consequences on euthanasia, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. This is what you do, Padre. See, it's, you just—it's like you throw a nail bomb into the situation. A walking nail bomb. They only released one album, though. Actually, talking about nail bomb, we haven't mentioned yeah. Sepultura. 
It's too painful. Yeah, it's just, it's nice. Yeah, Vibe, that's interesting because they didn't actually really start to push forward until they brought in Kissa. True. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is, and then they completely lost it when Max Cavalera basically lost it. I mean, what, okay, remind me again. His adopted son died? Yeah. Was it his adopted son? Yeah, stepson, stepson, I think. And he just sent him loopy. And then they had to, he had to leave the band. No, I, I, th- I think his because his wife was was their manager, and I think they they'd been it, it, for over a long time. Um, it had become more Max's Max's band with with the missus um, running it, and they the other three felt like um, backup. The story um, the story that I've heard um, is Strife hardcore band Strife supported Sepultura on that final tour with Max in was it ninety six. Yeah, it's end of night, end of And um, he um, he said he was he was kind of around the sort of situation when it was happening, and uh, Andrew, yeah, Andrew Klein's his name, and he was saying that at that point, at the end of that tour, um, Sepultura's management contract was up, and it was all going to be then uh, tied in with with Gloria as their manager, and the rest of the band weren't really keen on it. They didn't feel like it was it was a bit of a Yoko Ono moment. And Max was like, well, if if Gloria's not involved, then I'm not involved. And they were like, well, then you're not involved. And, and then he, that's that's why he walked. So, but I think none of us will know the full story, to be fair. But uh, the thing is, in 96, Sepultura were at a commercial peak because Roots was massive. You know, they were getting, you know, top 40 singles in the UK with, with Ratamahata and that. But Derek Green's now been in the band longer than Max ever was. And while they're not playing stadiums in brazil anymore like they did at one point they've probably got a more settled and solid career and they're, they're still going and the shit that max cavalera does soulfly were just fucking woeful so. i remember ozfest 98 he was playing a drain pipe <laughs> was just like what are you doing and like he you know it's not even like you know this is what i you know gets on my nerves because he, he refused to play any Sepultura stuff. Now, it might not be the same as having Igor Cavalera and Andreas Kisser and Paolo Jr. behind you, but you're the you were the singer from Sepultura, and you know he's a decent, he's a very good rhythm guitar player. You could have had your band, you could have played Arise, you could have played Desperate Cry, you could have played Refuse Resist. No, you you give us a drain pipe, basically, and then you and then you just bang on Ozfest '98 on the main stage. You won't shut up about your has to pass away stepson and yeah we get it. it it must be tragic for you but stop going on about it. it's like a broken record you know yeah i mean that was only two years after he left sepultura wasn't it so i suppose it was probably quite fresh um but i think the, the biggest loss for me was, was for sepultura was a second guitar player i don't think they lost anything in a front man i think Derek green's a better front man than max was Again, I never uh, saw yeah, them they, with max so they need sure, but... yeah they need two guitar players yeah yeah they, they do but from a frontman point of view, Derek Green is a you know he's a big imposing sort of character and and it, it, it worked. It came from a hardcore background and I think it it works really well with Sepultura, but they do miss that second guitar player, but they don't miss Max. And the last couple of albums, the last couple of Sepultura albums, have been very good. The first the first couple weren't great when Derek Green first came in, but I think what what they're doing now is is good. But it just happened that it was around about the time they were massive and. It was only going to go one way from there when you get rid of a singer. Yeah, 
Yeah, and an old friend of mine was actually at that last gig in Brixton. Brixton, yeah. And, and it was, and it was, you know, just because maybe possibly the energy and the anger between them, you know, it was it was regarded as a phenomenal gig anyway, certainly with press. But he said, yeah, I was, I was there, and it pretty much ended, and Igor threw his drumsticks at Max and <laughs> fucked off. But the two of them are now playing together as well. Well, they've done yeah. the era conspiracy, and, and now they're out doing Sepultura songs between the yeah. two. I mean, they're brothers, aren't they? I mean, it's it's yeah. it was yeah. Blood it they, you know, it, it got to a point they took they took a break, and you know, they were always going to get get together. They played in the band for Christ's sakes for yeah you know, fifteen years. Yeah, that's true. And I don't even know who drums in Sepultura now. To be fair, again, there's there's an element of high guns to that. Yeah, I, I think Max Cavalera came across as a little bit of a drama queen at times, and maybe that was he he. He basically let Sepultura's success get to his head, definitely, yeah. amongst yeah. other things. The others, the others stayed, stayed down to earth. He, because uh, he once, uh, I think he was once interviewed at one point about Michael Jackson, because Michael Jackson, I think, in around that time, was doing, uh, uh, was it? Um, they don't really care about us. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he did some sort of Brazilian stuff, didn't he? he got loads of kids to drum with him in the street and all that. And I think you know. Yeah, Cavalier was interviewed about it and and was quite you know vocally vocally against it, but yeah, he he was he was he was almost going down the rock star route in Sepultura in Brazil. Nineties um, MTV. Yeah, and I think I think that was definitely a factor that he 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 saw himself as being, if not Sepultura himself, but more than Sepultura. Yeah, which that brings me back to what I was saying earlier about you know, bringing in glory and the whole Yoko Ono moment, I can see why the rest of the band wouldn't want anything to do with that, if that's true. I don't know. And I, I would really like to see Max Cavalera open up some kind of, like, Churrascaria Brazilian state restaurant <laughs> and call it, like, Inner Self. <laughs> or, you know, Beneath the Remains. Um, beef the rem- Beneath <laughs> the Remains. Beef, beef, the remains. Beef yeah. the remains. There you go. That's the four. I, I no, refuse. No, no, refuse. Resist. Because, like, you know, have you ever been to one of those Brazilian state restaurants? Yeah, not they, obviously not in Brazil, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Beef. Okay, and they bring around the meat, and you've got to flip the card over to say yeah. you want more. Well, it's like it's, you can refuse it or you can resist it. <laughs> what yeah. about ratamatui? Oh my god, that's French. Piss off. <laughs> It's a it's a dish, isn't it? It's whatever. I I, I don't want the French brothers to this. I, I'm going to veto the French as well. Fuck them. <laughs> so we can't talk about Gajira then. No, you can't talk about Gajira. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the last thing I want to touch on then is is the whole guns for hire things. We mentioned that quite a lot, and there's a few musicians that that while they're very good at what they do, they have become a little bit guns for hire. So the first one that comes to mind is Dave Lombardo. So Slayer, Testament, Misfits, Suicide Tendencies, even Metallica for a few songs. Phantom of Misfits? Dead Gross. He's, he's in Misfits now. Blimey. Okay, I've missed that. So, yeah, that, that man gets about. He's in Misfits now, and he's obviously Misfits are only doing the odd few live shows and that, but he's he's the drummer, and obviously he's now in Testament. So, but... Again, all the Misfits, Misfits, without Danzig, even, even though... Well, this this is Misfits with Danzig, so it's, it's Misfits. Yeah. You know, but if 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 you're gonna hire a gun, that's a hell of a fucking gun to hire. Yeah, definitely. I expect you to have an opinion on that. <laughs> he's a, he's a great drummer. I mean, why wouldn't you? 
I don't really care that if he's he's coming, he's turned into like, you know, the Marcus Bent of uh, drummers. <laughs> <laughs> or that, you know. For anybody, anybody listening who um, who doesn't follow nineties and early two thousands English football, Marcus Bent is is a footballer. I'll let you go Google it. Yeah, he's like you know, a band's not doing very well. Who do we bring in on drums? Sam Allardyce. Not Marcus Bent. He's more yeah. like he's more like bloody Steve Claridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so yeah, no. I mean, look, if you're a band and you think right, we need a drummer, we need someone reliable, we need someone just going to push us. You, could you go more wrong than bringing someone like Dave Lombardo? And from what I hear, I know you know we've met. I've met people who've met him. He's an incredibly nice guy. Yeah, I've heard the same. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, something about I, I met a guy once who was telling me that they bumped into Dave Lombardo in the UK in a fish and chip shop after a gig, and he was on the phone. And he said, "Sorry, hung up the phone, got to go," and sat down with them for like five or ten minutes and just had a chat with them. Mm. That's great. Um, and I, I mean, have you seen that video of him talking about why he left Slayer the second time? No. He, he was trying to get them to get a forensic accountant in because their management company had been screwing them over. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. And, and, and basically what the management company did was they just threw a couple of hundred grand each at Kerry King and Tom O'Reilly and he got swept under the rug and then they, they kicked him out. Was, oh, he's a troublemaker, get rid of him. Yeah. Um, and he, his point was like, we've been underpaid for years. And we they owe us money. Yeah. So yeah, I did. I did. That's that. the case. That's sad. Yeah, that is, that is a bit sad. But he, um, yeah, wherever he's gone, he's only going to bring strength. Thing, all he needs to do now is go and play a show with Anthrax, and he's done the big four. So actually, no, no, he hasn't done Megadeth either yet. But it's only a matter of time before he joins Megadeth. Yeah, I mean, like, who who else is there? Uh, Billy Sheehan's another one, bass player, was with David Ross, solo band, and UFO. Michael Schenker group with Steve I with Mr. Big, Vivian Campbell, Def Leppard, Dio, Sweet Savage, White Snake, Last in Line, even in Thin Lizzy for a little bit. Matt Sorum, another one, Guns N' Roses, yeah. Revolver, The Cult, Camp Freddy, Hollywood Vampires, Slasher Snake Pit. You know, some of them get about. What the hell was Gil- what, what was Gilby Clark? Uh, I was thinking about this earlier. But, you know, you, you get rid of Izzy Stradlin and you bring in Gilby Clark. I mean, the name is lame. Sounds like a, an accountant. How about Richard yeah. Warwick? Or, you know, or it's like, you know, some kind of like a florist. Gilby. Gil, he'll, put, he'll put a good bouquet of flowers together for you. Go to see Gilby Clark. And did you just say Ricky Warwick? Yeah, what about Ricky Warwick? Well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Not, not, not to the same extent, but I suppose he's been yeah, Finn Lizzy. Yeah, Black Star Riders, obviously the almighty. He's got his solo stuff as well that he does, hasn't he? Yeah. Again, I think if if you wanted that kind of front man, he's 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 very good at it. Um, Toby Jepson's another one that's that's been floating around in various '90s bands that are kind of sort of coming back again. I know he went out he went out with Gun, obviously had Little Angels and that, and he's got a couple of other bands. So I think yeah, also Mark Richardson, but like um, another one just kind of reminds you somewhat of like Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, they, 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 the next leap will be the band they stay in. Oh boy! Yeah, but some of some of them never. Well, I mean, obviously Vivian Campbell, for instance. I mean, he's been in Def Leppard since what ninety two. Yeah, you know that's that's a long time. But like his relationship with with Ronnie James Dio, all the, the sort of stories and tidbits you hear about that. Obviously, we'll never know exactly what went on. But 
the relationship between them two. Whenever Ronnie James Dio used to be asked about his relationship with Viv Campbell, and he would just call him a cunt or something along those lines. It was, yeah. I mean, another one would be the A team. You know, if you've got a problem and no one else can help, then maybe you can hire Viv Savage. <laughs> it's like Viv Campbell. Viv Campbell, sorry. Yeah. Rick, Rick Savage was, is the uh, Def Leppard bassist, so... If your album sales are low, if your producer's not listening, if your front man's got a drug problem and you can't talk to anyone else, just call the A-team. <laughs> Who would be in your uh, metal band A-team, then, if you was going to go down that route? Bring in four musicians. Well, like, like Mr. Fix-It kind of thing. Yeah, that, that, can solve, that, that can solve the problem. Okay, the producer would be Bob Rock. Oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> Or Rick Rubin or something. No, 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 no. Matt Langer, all the way. Yeah, Matt Lang. Okay, yeah, Matt Lang. Who else? Dave Lombardo would be your drummer. Yeah, Dave Lombardo would be the drummer. Uh, I don't know about the bass player and the guitar player. Sammy Hagar on vocals. Yeah. He'll <laughs> do anything. Newstead yeah. would be your bass player. Yeah, go on then, Newstead. Yeah. Newstead's bounced about of, of, of all sorts, isn't he? He was even with Aussie for a little bit, wasn't he? And, uh, and yeah, Ricky Warwick is your vocalist. So there you go. There's your 18. Simple as that. But um, um, yeah. <laughs> I reckon they all just kind of like sit around in an office somewhere and like a, a, a siren goes off. <laughs> and they just get, they've got like a truck, slide down poles. I can feel, um, I can feel a meme of some kind coming on. Um, Encourage him. <laughs> Please. We, I don't want, I don't want, his homemade memes in our WhatsApp chat. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> I, I, I'm holding them back. <laughs> don't don't forget, I'm unemployed. So I've got nothing better to do. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I tell you what, we'll we'll, um, we'll leave it there because I think we've got to, um, you know, just uh, refer back to um, last week and how much we enjoyed the chat with Lois Creature. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go go and listen to it. Nice guys. They deserve some success. And e- even though um, Dream Theater came up in the conversation, it came up with the right context that we really don't need Dream Theater in our lives. So, you know, even, even believe in allow that. But, um, next week, we hope to have another guest. It's not quite confirmed yet, so I won't say anything. But um, if, if we do and it happens, it's, it's a big one. So it's It'll definitely be worth a listen. Um, keep a check on the social media uh, platforms and, uh, and, and I'll keep listeners updated. Um, just before we go, I want to say welcome to new listeners in Sweden, Germany and Switzerland this week as well. So we truly are a global entity. We are fucking massive. I reckon we're bigger than Dream Theater. Well, that's not particularly difficult, is it? Oh, we're bigger than Dream Theater, even if, Petrucci was still in the band. What about that? If you know any bands that you think would benefit from coming on here, we want to hear from you. Come on, plug your stuff, talk about metal, have a beer, get in touch. You're no one is going to benefit from spending two hours with you. <laughs> unless unless they want absolution. Everybody benefits <laughs> from being around me, okay? I am like the oracle of Delphi. You can't turn this off. I'm quite impressed. You've managed to go a whole podcast without mentioning Mount Etna today. Oh, you've just done it now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was me. Now he's going to erupt. Ah. <laughs>
but no, seriously, um, thanks everyone for listening. And um, and yeah, it's good to uh, good to welcome new listeners. I think our, uh, our our new Swedish friends are obviously uh, a result of of Lois Creature last week. So thanks to them for uh, for giving us a shout out as well. Talk. So yeah, like I said, keep an eye on the socials for next week because hopefully we've got a really a really interesting guest coming on. So if not next week, it'll it'll happen soon. It's not Mick Jagger. He keep thing is he keeps ringing me and I've had to block his number because he just won't leave me alone now. So he'll be knocking on the door next. He won't he won't stop until he gets satisfaction. Exactly. Exactly. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening and uh and we'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>